1: What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. I am turning 50 this weekend, so it's uh, an interesting week for me. We have a great program for you today. It's Laura and producer Kay, Kristen, talking to Jennifer Allwood, and it is a great program. You're going to love it. Hope you're doing well. Reach out to us, helparebelparenting.org. Let's dive into it. Here is Moms on the Mic with Jennifer Allwood on today's edition of Rebel Parenting.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Moms on the Mic. Hello. Welcome. Mm, We are excited to be here today and just been thinking. It's been a little while for Kristen and I since we've done a show, but we are so excited to have Jennifer Allwood with us today. And her book, Fear is Not the Boss of Us. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting there listening and you're like, oh, man. I have fear. I have fear if I'm going to get the clicks that I want. <laughs> I have fear if I'm going to, you know, today's world, mass shooting, all the craziness that can encroach in our lives. Mm-hmm. But we are excited just to tackle this topic with Jennifer today. And you guys are in for a good show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Welcome, Jennifer. (laughs) Welcome.
2: Hi, guys. I'm like, I don't know, should I say hello yet or should I wait a second? (laughs) Hi, I'm so excited to be here. You guys are awesome, and thank you for having me. Oh, Well, why don't you
3: tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience today? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Sure, absolutely. So, my name is Jennifer Allwood. I am from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm actually originally from a little tiny, small farming community in Iowa, but um, live in Kansas City with my husband of 22 years. Um, I used to own a decorative painting company called The Magic Brush. So, my audience nicknamed him Mr. Magic years ago. His name is actually Jason and not Mr. Magic. It's (laughs) shocking to some people. (laughs) So, um, Mr. Magic and I live in Kansas City. We have three biological children. We're in the process of adopting. Adopting a little five-year-old oh, girl right now. Wow. Yeah, from where? Yeah.
0: Just here. You know or? what? She's
2: an extended family member, so she okay. is the granddaughter of my cousin. If you can kind of oh. follow that. And we've sat down many a night. and we're like, "Wait, is she my third cousin? <laughs> or or she, is she like my first cousin twice removed?" Uh, the yeah. removal thing. The I really get like, so confused. I'm too. not smart enough to figure that stuff <laughs> out. And so now we're going to have all these people who are into like genealogy messaging us. But anyhow, so yeah, we live in Kansas City with our kids. They're very busy and active. I own a coaching company. I coach women in business, mm-hmm. coach women how to start businesses and how to get a lot of social media followers and then how to monetize those followers. It's a really, you know, interesting type of business. I never in a million years saw myself landing up here. Mm-hmm. I had that painting company that I started back in the year 2000 in Kansas City and that worked really well until we got pregnant with our first son Noah and I wanted to stay home with mm-hmm. the kids and so I ended up hiring like other painters to go out and paint for me during the day other women who were in a different season of life, and I stayed home and changed diapers and watched Bob the Builder and tried to just get us more painting work. And that worked really good until about five years ago when I realized I was tired of lugging ladders, and all the kids mm. were now in school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the new little one yet. And I realized I was really good at social media, like I enjoyed social media, which was kind mm. of weird, because I'm an introvert. Are either of you introverts? I'm, I'm right becoming on one
0: as I get older. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you can't change or what they say, but I don't yeah.
2: know. <laughs> no, I'm getting more introverted, the older I get to and the bigger my platform gets, which is also, you know, kind of Isn't like that interesting. Um, yeah, it's like me right throwing ahead. elbows half the time on the <laughs> inside. But I realized that I was really good at like Facebook in particular. And so I have gotten kind of what my kids call Facebook famous. I have Mm -hmm. 355,000 followers Mm -hmm. on Facebook, a big Pinterest and Instagram following. And people kept asking me, how are you getting so many followers? And how are you using that to get more painting business? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, and here's what I would be doing. And then I would tell the next girl that asked and the next girl that asked. And then suddenly one day, one girl said, would you just coach me? And I'm like, I don't understand what language you're saying. Like, what are you saying? I coach you. What do you mean would I coach you? And so now I coach Mm -hmm. over 2,000 women every month in a paid group on how they can Start a business, grow a business, and use social media to do that, so that they can stay home while they're building their business. Wow, oh, that's fantastic! Is that a was mostly, a long answer? That's I great, it. though. Is it mostly moms that, it's, it's or is it a variety? Moms. Okay, it's I would say ninety nine percent women, and I would say mostly moms. I mm. mean, you know, my audience is probably thirty to sixty. Yeah. But we do have some, you know, younger women in the group. We also have a woman in her seventies in the group, and I'm like, that's girl, awesome. I hope that when I am seventy years old, <laughs> I am still yeah. rocking Instagram. That is amazing. <laughs> I hope
3: so. That. That is incredible that's awesome goals for sure
2: oh, yeah exactly well goals. thank you for being
0: with us we are just honored to have you and excited yeah. to dive into this yeah yes. i'm
3: excited to be
2: here thank you <laughs>
0: yes
3: and as always those who are listening live on facebook if you have questions mm-hmm. for jennifer what an amazing time to ask her questions during this interview so mm-hmm. just wanted to put that out there
0: yes
3: well we have just been discussing about fear mm-hmm. with your book fear is not the boss of us. How does that play out? How have you seen that play out in your coaching? I mean, most of the women that we are speaking to are in this age of motherhood and young kids at home, or maybe just starting elementary school. What are the things that you see most prominent in women Mm. in fear? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so, well, I feel like I'm a girl that's kind of always struggled with fear. And mm-hmm. so it's not like, you know, I decided to start a business and then fear, you know, reared <laughs> its ugly head. When I look <laughs> back, I can see like evidence of me struggling with fear all of my life, like as a child, I can remember there being tension in the home and learning at a very young age, you know, I was scared of that tension. And so Mm -hmm. if I behaved in a certain way to make sure, you know, nobody would get too elevated or too deescalated, that if I behaved in a certain way, that I would be safer, Mm -hmm. and there would be less to fear. And so I can, you know, remember, as a young child, like doing that dance of, you know, people pleasing, people pleasing. And as long as I keep everybody happy, like Mm -hmm. then I don't have to be literally at times, you know, scared for myself physically. And so Mm -hmm. I can remember that I can remember staying in relationships with people before I married my husband for way too long Mm -hmm. because I was scared of the unknown. What if somebody Mm -hmm. better doesn't come along? What if, you know what I mean? I think, so there's lots of that. I can remember, um, And I talk uh, about all of these, for instances, by the way, in Fear is Not the Boss of You. I can remember sitting in the admissions office. I went back to college um, in my middle 20s. I had went to college right out of high school on an academic scholarship and then got to college and realized wow, it's a big, big world out there. And there's lots of people and there's lots of trouble I can get into. So I made Mm -hmm. bad decisions that year and blew my scholarship. Mm. So I went back to college as a middle 20 something. And I can remember needing to decide on a degree. And I really wanted to do a degree in interior design because I loved decorating houses. And I bought my first home at the age of 21. And I was obsessed with HGTV. HGTV had just come out, you know, (laughs) when I was in my middle 20s. But I can also remember thinking, but how am I going to make any money at that? Because I didn't Mm -hmm know mm-hmm. anybody who could afford an interior designer all I knew is that I was watching like those HGTV episodes I don't know if you guys ever watched it but do you remember when like Hildy she was this crazy designer on HGTV and she would staple flowers to walls <laughs> or she would like hot glue straw to kitchen walls do you remember any of those episodes I, I don't. no <laughs> no okay so I can remember sitting there thinking okay that works on HGTV but I don't think that I would make any money of that <laughs> in that yeah. Kansas City I don't know if anybody asking for staples you know or flowers staples, to their wall. And so I selected a career out of fear, fear that I was not going to make any money with interior design. I decided on going for computer-based information systems. It's amazing how God has brought that all back around now, but I have made decision after decision after decision in my life that has been fear-based and somehow, you know, God just, he sticks right there with me Mm. and he's like, okay, girl, we're going to do it. We're going to start doing it differently. So (laughs) when I was getting ready to turn 40 is when I started to kind of live my life a little bit differently. I had a friend who asked me if I wanted to go to a triathlon with her. And I was not an athlete. I'd done some 5Ks. I had zero desire to do anything competitive though. (laughs) I had three kids, you know, I was frumpy and, you know, eating powdered sugar donuts, but I'm like, sure, I'll go. I'll go with you to watch this triathlon just because I wanted girl time. And I remember we were at the triathlon, and it was the weekend of my 39th birthday. And it was a triathlon that's here in Kansas City, and there were 800 women in this triathlon. And I remember watching the swimming portion, thinking those girls are nuts because I didn't know how to swim. Yeah. And yeah. I come from—I talk about in the book—I come from a really long line of nose pluggers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we just—we were nose yep. pluggers. Yeah. And we were sinkers. Yeah. We were not swimmers. We were sinkers. <laughs> I would literally like get into the shower and snort water. It's so weird. It's still so weird. I still don't like water in my face. And so you know, I'm thinking these women are crazy. They're swimming 500 meters through this lake. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. honestly, I didn't get it. But Mm -hmm. then I remember watching like the last lady that jumped into the lake for her 500 meter swim. And she was probably 70, 70 72, 75 Mm -hmm. years old. And I remember looking at her thinking, okay, why is she doing this? Like, this Mm. makes zero sense to me. She's not worried about her thighs. She's not worried about waterproof mascara. She's not worried about anybody looking at her, even though all of us were looking at her. And she snorkeled the whole lake swim. Mm. And people were cheering. Like, if I think about it too much, I'll literally start crying on the podcast. So I'm going to try not to think about it. But I just remember thinking, okay, she's 70-some years old, and she just swam that. And I'm 39, and I can't go underwater without plugging my nose. Like, mm-hmm. I probably need to get my crap together. Like, honestly, I need that's yeah. probably not right. I probably should <laughs> think about learning how to swim. I've got kids that I want them to learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching this triathlon, and I was thinking, okay, she's going to finish the whole triathlon. And I am 39, and I should be able to finish the triathlon. And I don't know what happened to me that day, but I just couldn't get away from that thought of, I wonder if I could do a triathlon. And then I kept reminding myself, you can't because you'll die because you can't swim, remember? And, <laughs> and but God just wouldn't let it go. And so I ended up, hiring a swim coach and i ended up wow. taking a year to learn how to swim like a little kid would like that's she awesome. had to hold my hands yeah, in our community pool and i had to bob underwater <laughs> mm-hmm. while i was crying like a toddler <laughs> oh. and it was the craziest thing but that's what started me on this journey with god of him continuing to put me in situations where i was super scared and i didn't know what i was doing but i just kept saying yes to the next right thing and yes to the next right thing mm. and now as we're recording this i've done 10 triathlons what? i am still wow. fluffy in the middle still <laughs> fluffy in the middle still Still eat most powdered sugar donuts <laughs> and I've had a panic attack on all 10. Wow. Of my really? All 10 of them. But God keeps having me just show back up and mm-hmm. just show back up in spite oh, of my man. fear, in spite of my feelings, and he's really used the triathlon for me as an example of basically like, Jen, you can do hard things and you're not going to die. You yeah. feel like you're going to die. You feel like everybody's looking at you. They're not. You feel like, you know, certainly this is the dumbest thing you've ever done. It isn't. But he keeps putting me in situations with life and with business where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And he keeps saying, but you're not going to die. Look, you didn't die all these other times. Mm-hmm. You are scared, girl. You didn't yeah. die. Yeah. And fear's not the boss of you. And we've got things we need to do here on earth on this side of heaven. And your feelings about those things, Jennifer, they really don't matter. Well, and so that's mm-hmm. where the whole idea of the book came from the fear is not the boss of you. I've just been on this almost nine year journey now of just continuing to say yes to the things God's asking me to do, even though I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to coach 2000 women. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to have a conference. I mean, mm. it, there's so many fun and wild things that I'm saying yes to, but it really all started with the triathlon.
3: Oh, wow. that's like, it's inspiring that's total,
0: yeah that's what I was thinking that is fantastic I just doesn't make you
2: want to swim it, it, it does make you swim. <laughs>
0: it makes <laughs> me want to swim it makes me want to do a triathlon but I just had a question about the
2: triathlons do you have yeah. the panic attack during or yeah in the middle in the middle yeah. really during yeah. swimming yeah yeah during swimming and like the triathlon I did last year was one of the first ones that I've done as a um as a team. And so I did the swim portion. Then a, another friend ran another friend bike. Cause we were in the middle of writing. Fear is not the boss of you. I and say, so we. you're like, I'll yeah. do water. <laughs> I say, we like I'm French. It was me. We <laughs> like, have the capacity. At least I do for only so much stress in my life at right. any given time. Yes. So last year I did it as a team. My husband and my son did the triathlon also, Aww. and I'm not a good swimmer. Mm. And so like I jumped into a pool last year's was in a pool and had to swim and somehow sucked water into my face. Cause mm-hmm. other people are jumping in too. Yeah. And so instinctively, when I start, you know, swallowing water, it's yeah. like water hits me and I just start swallowing. It's so lame. <laughs> yeah. And so then I start panicking and then I'm thinking, what am I doing? This is so dumb. I could be sitting mm-hmm. at home, you know, watching Netflix. I don't understand why I keep <laughs> doing this to myself, but I just keep showing up. Yeah, and I think and that's keep my story. I just keep showing up. Uh. So is that what you
0: share with like lots of other moms, like when they're in the panic attack or having that fear just to continue showing up or is there some kind of things you do in the
2: moment to like get you through Well, what the book is really about is just the fact that we all have certain things that we're afraid of. For me, you know, water is just one of the many things, the fear of man, fear of what people's other people's opinions. That's a huge fear thing for me, which, by the way, really rears its ugly head when you have 500,000 people following you on social media. And so I'm constantly getting, you know, questions or DMS or people's opinions Mm -hmm. that are triggering and make me feel like shrinking back. And, you know, Mm. God, are you sure this is what you're calling me to do? Mm. You know, there's people. That quit my coaching group, and they have opinions, and you know. So there's always, th- there yeah. is not a uh, one single woman I know who does not deal with fear or being completely overwhelmed with options and she can't decide what to do, so therefore she's mm-hmm. stuck. I don't know yeah. any women that don't go through seasons of right. that in for life. Sure. And so that's what the book's about. And I do use the triathlon story just in one chapter as an example of, you know, I think that it's super important when it comes to fear that we figure out, okay, first of all, that we're not alone, number one. Mm-hmm. Then number two, so all women struggle with fear and it could manifest itself and look differently for everybody. But number two, where does it actually come from? Because yeah. I think it's super important too to figure out, you know, if you're stuck, like, why are you stuck? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. And I talk in the book about things like, you know, comparison and how social media makes us really compare ourselves to other women Mm -hmm. in certain seasons of life. I talk about how when I was like a young mom with the kids at home, gosh, I was lonely. I have a whole chapter on just how lonely I was being a stay at home mom, and watching a lot of my friends who were working mothers and thinking, gosh, it must be nice to put on pantyhose and go to work. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm still (laughs) cleaning up spit and watching Bob the Builder for the 100th time that day you know waiting for the UPS person to come because I couldn't wait just for human (laughs) interaction (laughs) yeah yeah and so you know I think it's really important to understand where our stuckness and our fear come from Mm -hmm. because when we can do that I think we can identify okay that's where it came from and that's where it started so then where are we at today and so I have a whole section of the book where I talk about basically this is why you can't stay stuck and this is why fear can't be the boss of you because Mm -hmm. I find that most women especially moms and I think a lot of your listeners are moms Mm -hmm. us moms man we'll do things for our kids we wouldn't do for anybody else
1: you know what I mean yes
2: (laughs) we will lift cars off them Uh like we are you know Mr. Incredible if we have to we'll walk through the desert barefoot if we have to. But when it comes to our kids, most of us moms are super willing to do things that we normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important when you're thinking about being stuck and you're thinking about fear to figure out, well, what are some of the things that would get you to do the things that you feel like God's prompting you to do or that you want to do despite your feelings? So for Mm me... And I'd go through a whole little math example in the book, even for people who don't like math, it's super easy, but it's basically (laughs) just figuring out what's greater than your fear. And so for me, it's God's call on my life. And so when Mm -hmm. God's saying, Hey, Jen, I want you to do a triathlon. I'm like, I don't get it, but okay. (laughs) But I see how that triathlon has showed up now in business, you know, eight and nine years later. Second thing that's super important to me is setting a good example for my husband and my children. Mm -hmm. And so that means doing the things on this side of heaven that God's asking me to do and not using my kids as an excuse because I think... Think moms can do that yeah. yeah we can say things like well i feel like i'm supposed to be XYZing, you know whether that's starting a business or going back to college or moving or whatever but sometimes mm. we'll say i'll wait till the kids get in school and yeah. then we'll say well i'll wait until the kids oh you know, i get he- in high school i hear that
0: regular oh like, regularly yeah oh, we'll do that yeah. when the kids are out or oh we're gonna yeah. do this when the kids are older yeah. or,
2: and it makes me super sad mm. because You know, I feel like sometimes that's what God's asking us to do, but other times I feel like as moms, we're using our children as an excuse as to why we aren't or can't. And in actuality, we need to be looking at our kids and they're the reason why we should. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like if God's calling you to this... He will take care of that. Not that our kids are not supposed to be, you know, a very high priority because they are, but they're not above God's call on your life. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's really important we as women understand what God's like hierarchy is, you know, so he wants to come first and then the husband and the kids in the business. Mm, But sometimes he'll ask us to do things in our life, in our business, that it's really going to have a great effect on our children. Mm -hmm. And they need for mom to be brave and to do the things that God's asking her to do probably more than they need mom cutting off the crust of for their PB and J again for the hundred time in a row. And so I talk a lot in the book about not using your children for an excuse. Also, not falling for what culture would like to tell women right now that, you know, just pursue your goals and hustle your butt off and full steam ahead at the expense of your family, because that's not biblical either. Yeah, totally. We
0: were just having that conversation. It's like I see the other side of people using uh, other excuses, but then I see the other women who are just like, well, I'm doing my career. My kids are going to be not that this is an issue, but daycare all the time and they're neglecting their children.
2: Yeah. And that's so why we need to really lean into asking God what Mm. he wants for us, because he knows the delicate balance that our family is able to walk, yeah, and we don't. you know what I mean? And so I have this quote in my book by my friend Jamie Ivey that I just love so much, and she said something along the lines of, you know, I can't teach my children to be sold out for the gospel and to be sold out for God if all my children see is me being sold out for them. right? And that's powerful yeah. because mm-hmm. I see two things going on. Um, I see moms who are just hustling so hard and their family's really suffering and it makes mm-hmm. me super concerned. And they're saying that their family is of utmost importance, but their family doesn't feel that. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy for me to say, kids, you are so important <laughs> to me. But if I am gone all the time and when I'm home, I'm glued to my phone mm-hmm. and they have zero FaceTime from me and we know zero about each other's life, mm-hmm. like, they're not feeling of utmost importance. I can say it with my lips, but who cares? They don't feel it. And then on the other side of that, we have moms who are like, you know, selling out their whole life and they're giving up the call that God has for them Mm -hmm. just to mom. And they, you know, you were someone before you were someone's mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think you can easily do both. If you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, it talks about her being a businesswoman 11 times. And it only talks about being a mother once. And so it's interesting, (laughs) if you go through and kind of look at that, I'm like, oh, Lord, okay. And so, you know, if God's calling you to something, he will definitely take care of, you know, some of the things that we're worried about. Are my kids going to be okay? Are they not going to be okay? But Mm -hmm. I go pretty hard in the book about the fact that I think as mothers, that our children can really sense when mom has something that she's really wanting to do, but she's not. And often using, you know, them as a reason. And I think it saddens our children. And I think that they won't be able to put actually words to it until they're a little bit older. But I think that we outsource learning and teaching our children to so many people. So I want, you know, church to teach them Bible scriptures. And I want, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Spanish too, to teach them, you know, how, you know, to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And I have somebody to teach my kids how to drive. Well, who teaches your kids how to be brave when you're scared? Right. yeah. Because they may or may not use Spanish one day.
3: Yeah. But they're going to yeah.
2: have situations that they're put in in their life yeah. on this side of heaven where they're going to be scared. So who's going to teach your kids that? Yeah. And so if God's, you know, knocking on your shoulder and he's given you a dream and he's prompting you to do something, but you're using your kids as a reason why you can't, mm. it's completely out of alignment. I think we need to Yeah. chop, chop, get back in line, sis. So, Amen. and I'm as guilty as the next one. Right. And so, oh, you gosh, know, God just real. had me write a book about my experience and yeah. yes. all of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No shame or guilt. but. You know, no shamer guilt. Not yeah. that yet. Let's no, do a God's of us because he had me write do. a book
2: about fear while I was literally walking it out through writing a book on fear. <laughs> you know, there's interesting things. I, I have a podcast also called The Jennifer Hallwood Show. It's not, <laughs> everybody's it like, off. what's its name? I'm like, well, it's not very original. It's <laughs> Jennifer Hallwood Show. But anyway, we did a podcast last week about three things I wish I'd known before I wrote a book. And mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of time to write the book because, you know, there's strategy behind like when you release it. And we didn't mm-hmm. want it to be released during election time in 2020. So I didn't have a ton of time to write the book is what I'm trying to say. It was less than a couple of months. Well, so I started writing a book about fear. And then I would read it and I would be like, Ugh, this is trash. <laughs> and so I threw it away. I got like 40,000 words in or something oh my gosh, and got cool. and threw it away. I started rewriting it again. And I was like, this is crap also threw that away. Did the third round did the same thing. So six days before my deadline, I restarted Fear is not the boss of you. It was like God was walking it out in me real time. Like, just so you remember, Jen, who you're writing for, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and make you feel all the feelings in real time as you're writing it and all the imposter syndrome and all the Mm -hmm. procrastination Mm -hmm. and perfectionism and all that. We're going to go through it real time so that you actually can remember what it feels like. And so you're walking through it with every other woman reading it. And so, yeah, I am so proud of that stinking book (laughs) because it was like birthing a baby (laughs) who was 20 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) With no epidural, um, (laughs) not at home, but like in a desert. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, man.
2: Way to be faithful.
3: I know. Gosh, (laughs) I can't even imagine throwing away that many (laughs) manuscripts and being like, nope, nope. Well, it. it was
2: kind of too, like, until I got it right, God was like, yeah, this isn't going out. Yeah, And so it was, you know, it wasn't just that I was thinking it was trash. It really was trash.
0: Mm.
3: And
2: um, I mean, it wasn't like it was awful, but it wasn't what it needed to be. Right. And, and. until I got it right and did what God asked me to do, mm. then it really couldn't go forth. And part of that was, let me give you a good example. I had somebody when I was writing the book say, well, Jennifer, if you have too much Jesus in the book, it's not going to end up in Target. And so instantly I was like, <gasps> You're right. I can't have too much faith in here. I mean, I've got half a million social media followers. What are they going to think if there's too much Jesus? And you know, they're expecting one thing from me, and I better simmer it down. And it was like God was saying, "No, you're going to go ahead and get on board with what I'm asking you to write." And Mm -hmm. you know, so it was like I had to walk through those feelings of fear as I was writing the whole book. But Mm -hmm. but I'm proud of what I did. I was obedient at the end of the day. Yeah,
3: that's awesome. Well, it's a gift.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like sometimes for me, if I'm not a little bit afraid of what I'm doing, then I need to pick out something else to do. <laughs> like, I it's don't know if my co- early on coaches were like, you need to get to that threshold of where like, whoa,
2: this is bigger than me. This is mm-hmm. you this feels know. super. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Like if you're not uncomfortable, yeah. and just doing the ho hum, there's something missing, maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, the uncomfortable keeps me really humble Mm -hmm. and, you know, on my face before the Lord too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So,
3: There's one more thing that I really want to hit on before we're done is talking about, you mentioned in the book about a specific time. It really just spoke to me because I'm in this season of there is fear and they're stepping out and there's, Mm. but you talked about a specific time when your husband and you were getting prayed for and you thought oh. the question was for him to answer yep. and being the leader of the family and yet it was actually for you so mm-hmm. can you talk about that story and just
2: I sure can <laughs> I just think
3: it's just so needed in our mm. church society that we are called to be just as much of a financial help. Yeah. So mm. go
2: go for it. Sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So when when this happened, this particular instance, we just had our two boys, our boys are now 18 and 16. And so they were little and my husband had lost his job before Christmas. And so he lost like fourth quarter bonus and end of the year bonus. And I remember we were living really tight. And I remember thinking, gosh, it's like we get two steps ahead financially. And it's one step back and just feeling like Mm -hmm. we could never get ahead and just Mm -hmm. feeling like, Lord, what is wrong here? Mm -hmm. I mean, my painting company was going well, but not well enough and just feeling frustrated about that. And so we were at church one Sunday and our pastor did just an altar call, which he'll do on occasion of if you need prayers for something specific, you know, we're going to have some prayer people up here, come on up front. So Jason and I decided to go up front and just have somebody pray about our finances. And we just needed a different job for him where he didn't have to travel so much. We really needed a breakthrough. And he had gotten a job at this point that was good, but it was not as good as his old one. And he had to do a lot of traveling and the kids were little and Mm. it stressed me out. I mean, when it's just one of you it's just harder like god bless single mothers i don't know how they do it so right i mean it was tough Mm -hmm. and so we went up front to get some prayer and the guy at the front of our church was like okay yeah i'd be happy to pray about your finances how about you go back and grab your checkbook so i went back to my purse grab my checkbook i take it up front (laughs) and he's like okay and he literally was going to pray over the checkbook so he starts praying and he literally stops in the middle and he says okay so the lord told me to ask you are you willing to go to other states And like, you know, I've got my eyes closed, I'm all like in my prayer place, (laughs) my eyes pop open. And I looked at him like he had horns growing out of his head. And I'm like, what? And he's like, the Lord told me to ask you, will you go to other states? So I look at my husband, and Jason's looking at me just as blankly as I'm looking at him. And I'm thinking well, he needs to answer. And he didn't say anything. And I'm thinking, okay, remember, Jen, everything that you've learned. Yes, you are a strong businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're an Enneagram three, even though I didn't even know what that was back then. <laughs> and you know, This is where you like, let your husband step in and answer the question because, you know, he needs to be the leader and you need mm-hmm. to. And so I'm going through all this stuff in my head and I'm looking at him and he's just looking right back at me. And I'm thinking, answer the question. <laughs> and the guy literally says again, will you go to different states. And at this point, I'm completely irritated and I'm like yes we'll go to different states and he's like okay good and so then you know we got done with the prayers and I thought well that was the weirdest thing ever we live like between Kansas City there's a a river, and so half of it's Missouri and half of Kansas Mm -hmm. I thought well I wonder if I'm going to work more in Kansas and then I thought well maybe this means Jason's going to like travel to more states Mm. and then I thought well who cares what it means as long as we get a miracle and we're millionaires tomorrow (laughs) like that didn't happen right so that didn't happen And I forgot all about it. And I forgot all about it. And so that probably would have been, the boys would have been probably five and three. And so 13 years ago. So I forgot all about that until last year when I was in an airport in Toronto, Canada. Mm. And I was coming back from um, being in a mastermind. And at this point, I probably travel once a month for business. I never thought that I would do that. I go and speak in different places. Mm -hmm. I do different conferences. I have a mastermind I belong to. I just went and recorded my audio book. And so I was coming back from Toronto and God reminded me about all those years ago, 13 years ago, about that guy praying over our checkbook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we have a business that does You know, multi seven figures per year. My husband works at home with me. We, you know, Mm -hmm. live in what I would consider our dream home. And, you know, life Mm -hmm. looks so different than it did 13 years ago. But I was remembering how he was asking, Will you go to different states? And then I kept looking at my husband because back then we were dead broke. We had maxed out credit cards. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at my husband thinking, He needs to say yes because he needs to like save us here. Like this ship is sinking and, you (laughs) know, I'm looking at my husband to save us. And the truth was, I needed to say yes, yeah. because I was going to be the one traveling. Mm. And I didn't realize that it was what God was going to be doing through me and me in this marriage and me in my business that was going to be the thing that was going to get us out of that really crappy situation. Wow. I kept looking at my husband yeah. to save the day. God was like, girlfriend, you're part of this equation. Mm. Like, yes, he's the husband, but you're the one that's got the business that's going to have the face in front of it. But who knew that right. I didn't? Right. Know. Mm. And so I used that as an example in my book about So many women who come into my coaching group who have, you know, businesses, they've also they're running tight, just like we were years ago. Mm -hmm. And I know that tight spot and it stinks Mm -hmm. having no margin in your finances. Mm -hmm. It stinks. And they've got husbands that are working second and third jobs and they haven't been on a family vacation in years. And the minivan needs new tires. But they're looking to their spouse to like save the day. And God's like, no, girl. Like, you've got a gift and a talent. Like, I've given you things, too. And I've given you a way that you can add to the family and bring in finances. And so, yeah, I share that whole story. Thank Mm. you for bringing that up. And here's not the boss of you. Because I remember when God shared that with me in the airport in Toronto last year. And he he was like, I want you to go live. And I was like, right here from gate 38. I went live on Facebook and talked about it. And then I did a podcast episode about Mm. it. But I know that really touched the heart of a lot of women because I think so often we're looking for somebody else to save the day, but God's deposited things in each of us as his girls. And he's like, you've got gifts, you've got talents, you've also got a way out. Mm -hmm. And so in your family is depending on you to use those things that God gave you. Now, the Bible says that God gives us wisdom to gain wealth. And so (laughs) God gives so many of us talents and ideas. But so often we're looking to our spouse hoping that he'll be the one that yeah, takes a right. chance, yeah. does the things here. In all actuality, God's looking at us. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. Well, That's
0: inspiring too, it, though. Right. Well, mm-hmm.
2: well, it's a lot imagine of pressure it,
0: on the men.
3: That's what I'm husband. saying. Is, oh, yeah. So
2: much pressure on the men. Yes. So much pressure yeah. on the men. And as a married couple, I'm supposed to carry half mm-hmm. of all of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I look to the pressure my husband must have been feeling, I'm like, oh gosh, and I probably that I was adding to that and I can only imagine yeah, how course. that felt. And But we're a team and this, Thing that I'm doing right now, he's also half mm. responsible for it. Even if his face isn't on the book, and even if he's not the one with the podcast, he, just like we were a team then, and I was half responsible for the rut we were in. Yeah, we're a team now, and he's half responsible for where we've ended up. Mm. And so yeah. I love that God's distinction, money. though. Yes, yeah. I mean, when you get married, or, you know, it's you're the becoming of one. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's really important for women to recognize that you do have gifts and talents on the side of heaven that God expects you to use mm. and utilize, and that. Sometimes, you know, he may have you in a season of hold so that you can raise your family. I remember being in that season of pause yep. and me thinking I may rot and die here, but I didn't. Eventually, <laughs> yep. they'd all go to school. And, you know, and then I was, and it was interesting how God just multiplied my business so quickly because I'm a firm believer that if you'll honor the season of life that God has you in, boy, he will honor you right back. Mm, and he can yeah. like duplicate and accelerate things at a speed that I never could For on sure. my own. So it was almost like once Ava Grace went to kindergarten, it was like, you know, quadruple time this business grew it was crazy but I do believe it was because I paused when God had told me to even though it was painful Mm -hmm, but I do feel like I tried to honor that season really well Mm, so nice
3: so if there's a mom out there that's trying to discern if it's a season of go or if it's a season of pause how would you coach her
2: Yep. So you're going to have to just ask the Lord and inquire of him (laughs) on that. And so I know that sounds really loosey goosey, but I tell every person that comes into my coaching group, and they don't have to be Christians, you know, to come into my group, but they know that I am that, you know, I can give you all the advice, but the true like best business advisor, is, is God for like for real? Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> real. <laughs> he
0: yeah. will the
2: best multiply at- everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, mm. but here's what I have learned in recent years. Like, I got saved as a teenager, and I didn't really give my life to Christ like I should have until I was. 31 years old. I had a decade plus of just living like a knucklehead. And so it was in my, it was 30 or 31 when I gave my life back to the Lord. And I found that I did a good job of learning how to pray. Mm -hmm. And I found that I did a lot of Bible studies on prayer. My pastor did a good job of, you know, teaching us how to pray. My friends, you know, you could model prayer because Mm -hmm. I would, I hear you pray before we come on Mm -hmm. here. And I, you know, I learned how to pray that way. But what I didn't know how to do is I didn't know how to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in the year 2020, this is an epidemic. We know how to do things. We know how to talk. We know how to get our message out to the world. We know how to post on social media. We know how to podcast. I know how to write a book. But what is the hardest thing of all to do is is to sit and listen. And so I talk about in the book, you know, if all I did was. Put my request before my husband every day. <laughs> hey, can you pick up the kids? Can you make sure that we may <laughs> yeah. you know have this in the grocery yeah. basket? or, you yeah, know, can you add this to the vacation or? If all I did was that, and I never paused mm. to let him give me anything back, mm. it would just be such a one-sided relationship. Mm. And I find myself all the time having to remind myself, okay, Jen, God wants to have your requests. He does because he cares about every single thing, including every hair on my head. Mm-hmm. But he also just wants that relationship. Yeah. So what I found myself doing is I would be like, okay, Lord, do you really want me to have a conference? Because if you want me to have a conference, like you're going to have to show me t- how to do that. And oh, by the way, can you heal Ava Grace's ear infection? Mm. And what do you want me to do about this one person in my coaching group? I can't decide if they're really a good fit or not. Like, how do you want me to handle that? And by the way, also, can you make sure that my boys stay pure? You know, like, like, <laughs> right, like, right. So I just yes. like, throw out my diarrhea of the mouth <laughs> yep. and I never sit still long enough so. silent to let God speak back. To me, yeah. And so I think that the people that you will see who are rising up as the most powerful, both just in business and outside of business, women are the women who have really disciplined themselves for the stillness yes. of listening hmm. to what God says. Yeah, Ooh. And Amen. that, trust me when I tell you, this is a daily discipline for me right. because my phone's dinging, kids need something, the dogs need out to potty. I mean, I don't know any woman, if I could meet a woman who is bored in the year 2020 like she's a you know a unicorn i want to meet her i mean we've all got so much stuff to do and so much that's pulling for our attention that the discipline of asking the lord a question what do you want me to do about xyz and then sitting quietly until you get an answer i think that is such a hard thing to do Mm. but so
0: yeah well there's the challenge rebels that's right to sit and listen to hear mm. from the Lord, Ooh,
2: what the—that's like the best kind of rebel, though, right? <laughs> exactly, I mean, because it goes—it goes against what the world is teaching right now, right. which is, you know, journal your way into making things happen, yep. manifest your way into making things happen, declare your way into making things mm. happen. If you would just sit and ask the Lord of what the best strategy is, man, you can't pay for that. That's uh, hmm. that's gold. That's your secret sauce right there. Sauce. So,
3: true. Well, I just had a conversation actually with Ryan, Laura's husband. I was talking to Graham Cook. He wrote me a message back and he was like, well, have you asked God about the rhythm that Mm -hmm. he wants you to be in? And I was like, hmm, yeah, I should probably Mm. do that. (laughs) And that's what I love to do. But it never crossed my mind to ask him specifically, what's my rhythm, specifically on writing. And so anyway, I just love that because yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Poiny. Well,
2: and I have a chapter in the book about that because I have this really interesting audience of people who aren't sure what they think about women of faith. They aren't sure what they think about God. Some of them have been really hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. They've been hurt by Christians. Some of them haven't been to church since they were kids. Yep. And so, and I know that. And so I really address that girl in Fear is Not the Boss yeah. of You. And so I know that when we talk about hearing from God, that it sounds very loosey goosey, pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to like make it practical in the, Book about what it will actually feel like. The first time I heard from God, I was thirty-one years old. I remember it distinctly, Mm -hmm. and it was a like you know it sounded like it was in my head, and I was like, "Did anybody else just hear that?" (laughs) But there's other times I hear from God in the lyrics of a song. There's other times I hear from God, you know, on Mm -hmm. a sign. There's other times I talk in the book about how sometimes the voice of God sounds like my sixth grade best friend Donnie Sue, (laughs) and not that that I'm at all trying to like minimalize (laughs) it, but she was like constantly like elbowing me to do stuff, and you know, go ask that guy to dance. and I'd be like, no, even though I really wanted to. And she was always like, come on, girl, you know, you want to, you know, mm. go ask, like, it's going to be fine. And I would always be like, stop pressuring me. <laughs> Sometimes that's how God's voice sounds mm-hmm, to me. Right. And I think we try to over-spiritualize mm-hmm. it. And so I really try to like, for women who are like, I've never heard the voice of God. I'm like, well, girl, the first time you do, it's an addicting thing. Yes. You're going to want so mm. much more of that because it feels like almost, um, I like, you remember when you took a pregnancy test. And you were the only one that knew you were mm-hmm. pregnant for a little while, like until you told your spouse or your mm-hmm. best friend or whatever. And it's almost like that, like that feeling of, oh, my gosh, I just got a secret that like nobody else has. Mm-hmm. And I love that's that relationship awesome. with my God. Yeah. And I want that for every single woman who's listening and every single woman who's going to pick up a copy of the book.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Perfect. That's a great way to end the show. Yes. Uh. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. We are just, yeah. oh, that was just awesome. Oh. I'm totally encouraged. Yes. Mm. Oh, I'm so glad. So, guys so ladies listeners pick it here up we
3: go. fear is not the boss of you check it out yep. amazon thank you. thank you i'm sure
2: yep they can get it on amazon the book actually does not launch until april 7th so oh. right now we're in pre-launch okay. which means that the pre-orders right now are super important yes. um mm-hmm. things i didn't know before i wrote a book i talked about this on the podcast <laughs> yep. is this is how like Companies like Target and Walmart and Sam's Club Mm -hmm. determine what books they're going to carry is by the amount of pre-orders a book gets and the amount of orders it gets the first couple of weeks. Mm So we're asking for people to go order a copy and I'm just being really gutsy and I'm asking for people to order two, one for you and one for a friend. And because I know in my knower that like there's a lot of books that are on New York Times bestsellers list, a lot of books that you can see at Target. This one's different Mm -hmm. than all of those. And so I also know that there's a whole gang of women out there who are really on board with this message, which is anti-hustle your face off and <laughs> um, it's really like get on your face before the Lord. And so it's going to take, you know, a grassroots effort to really get this book in front of the women that really need it. And so I'm just being brave and asking people to, and you know, fear's not the boss of me. I'm just asking scared, but if yep. they mm-hmm. can go to jenniferalwood.com slash book or go to Amazon and pre-order two copies, we'd be super grateful. Awesome. Nice.
0: Well, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
1: Rebels, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for sharing this with friends and family. Hope you're doing well, making it through this quarantine time. It is crazy stuff, but we appreciate and love you. God bless. We'll see you soon.
3: Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.